0: you for your glory and your presence, Father. We thank you for our signs and wonders following, Father. In the glorious and wonderful name of Jesus, we worship you. We worship you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for saving us, for filling us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the power of God in the house. Thank you for the power of God in your house, Father. Thank you for your presence, Thank you for your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Everything that you need, whatever you need, you came here before you receive it today. Heaven has it for you. He's not withholding, he's not withholding anything from his people. Jesus said, uh, God, the Father would withhold no good things from you. Nothing. Nothing would be withheld from you. So how do you receive it? You receive it by faith. You just receive it. Say, I believe I've, I've got it. I've got it. Whatever it is you need. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the power of God moving today. I bind up that, that spirit, that, uh, uh, that lying spirit that would lie to God's people and tell them that this was not for today when God's word clearly says it is for today. I thank you, Father, for people being free being set free by the word of God. We thank you for the power of God. Glory to God. I bind up any hindering spirit that might hinder the people from receiving everything that heaven has for it this this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence. Glory to God. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Praise God. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of 3 John. 3 John, chapter uh, 1, or just uh, verse 1, rather. 3 John, verse 1. I want to talk to you today about prospering in the life of God. Prospering in the life of God. And what does that mean? That means prospering in every, situ- in, in, in every which way. Don't just limit, when you hear that word prospering, think of one direction. Think of prospering in every way. God wants you to prosper in peace. You know, a lot of people, they don't have peace. They're going through things right now and, and, and they don't even know what they're going to do. They're so nervous and upset about things. They see they don't have peace. But see, God wants you to prosper in that. And there's a way. There's a way, it's called God's way. But a lot of people don't know about it because they've never been taught. You know, lack of knowledge. All right? you, you, you can't do something if you, don't, if you don't have knowledge. You know, if you asked me to re- come out here to the airport and rebuild a jet plane, I'd say, buddy, you got the wrong guy. I, I don't know anything about that. I'm gonna have to go to school. So that plane's gonna sit there for a number of years because I just don't have, I don't have the knowledge of it. Now I can get it. I can go to school and, and learn and and and, and 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 practice and then when I get that so good, then I can tear that, that, that plane apart and start doing it. But you're talking years. So God's word says, My people are destroyed for two reasons, a lack of knowledge, and because the knowledge that they is presented to them, they reject it. Alright, always remember that. Always look at yourself and say, Okay. Is it a lack of knowledge that I'm experiencing the reason why I don't see the promises of God working in my life? Or is it because maybe there's something um, that I heard and I rejected it? Because one of the, either one of those two can mess your whole life up. You know, that's why a lot of people don't have peace. A lot of people don't receive what heaven has for them. I'm not just talking about peace. I use an example. Um, but it could be health. All right. It could be financially, it could be wisdom, All right. it could be guidance. Um, you, want, you want heaven's guide on, on, on making choices. Maybe, maybe every time you go out and you make a choice, you buy a car, you buy the wrong one, and it winds up blowing up in your face, it lasts three and four years. Well, you know, heaven has got wisdom for that. Now, it doesn't say in the Bible which brand car in there, but he, he, the Spirit of God can lead you and show you if you'll take the time to, to consult with him. But let's look here in in 3 John, and uh, let's pick it up in verse 1. It says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish, here in verse 2, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, in the King James, it says, I wish, and that's a very, very poor translation, because that word w- wish really means prayer. When you look at the Greek, the original Greek in that, it says, I pray. And I pray not in, I'm throwing up a prayer, hoping it comes to pass, no, it's, it's, it means to pray with knowledge and understanding and clarity. Knowing that what you're asking for, you have it, and it's yours. So he, you know, if you look at it that way, he says, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now one thing you want to look here is uh, that word soul, it means mind, your will, and your emotions. So what, what he was saying here was he wants you to prosper even as your mind prospers, your will, all right, and your emotions. All three of those make up your soul, and all three of them are important. Because your mind has to prosper, we know that by, if we go back to Romans chapter 12, it says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind, okay? Many Christians, they never had their mind really renewed, they've really just conformed to the world's way of doing things and they go to church. They wonder why bad things happen and they never get anywhere. Well, that's why. Because you have to have your mind renewed. So what he's talking about here in this, in this scripture is that your mind has to be renewed to the word. Then your will has to come in alignment saying, okay, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm not going to do things my way. I'm going to do things his way. It's talking about surrendering, Really? and the life that you live is no longer your life. You know, as a Christian, I can't live my life the way I want to. Why? Because it's no longer my life. Jesus paid for my life. That's what his death purchased. He purchased me. All right, so, um, and that's what it says even in Romans, that that, uh, that we should not have our minds conformed to the world's way, but transformed by the renewing of our mind it says that's a reasonable service. And in other words, that's the the reasonable thing that you can do is have your mind transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right. But also, then it says, you know, speaking of the soul, is your emotions when when things hits you? Are you an individual that you let your emotions show every, dictate basically everything how you're going to act? You know, if you are, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Because your emotions, when you get bad news, you go to the bank and you're thinking you're going to pay your car payment and you find out there's not enough money in there, the first thing that hits you is what? Your emotions. Mm -hmm. Because it says, oh my, I don't have money to pay my car payment. I'm going to lose my car. Well, see, that's letting your emotions rule you. And, And as believers, we shouldn't let that happen because why? because my God will supply all of my need according to His riches. And I can tap into that if I have that understanding and revelation. But if I let my emotions dictate everything that happens to me in my life and and, and tell me what's going to really happen, all right, the the devil will work through your emotions, because he'll play on that. You go to the bank, and you're thinking you're going to make your car payment, and you're $150 short, and what do you start thinking about? you start seeing you start visually you start visualizing seeing the bank come in and, and, and taking your car you see a tow truck pull up in your house and you see so you start imagining these things you start imagining you, you're losing your job because what well, you can't get to work and you got no way to get there the ki- the kids are not going to be able to play ball because well, now your car's broke you know, you can't you can't make your car payment see how this starts playing and what's happening is your emotions are kicking in and starting to dictate to you, and try to get, paint a picture to you what's going to happen, and they're demonically influenced because Satan, when he speaks to you, he, he speaks to you through a lot of times your emotions. That's why Paul says, bring every thought activity unto the obedience of Christ. Does your thought line up with the word? If it doesn't. Or oh, oh, I would even say it this way. Does your emotions line up with the Word of God? Over a year ago, when they diagnosed me with cancer, when I got that diagnosis, I heard the Lord say to me, He said, Michael, you better watch what you say. But see, I already knew that because I, I, I've been taught. I've been, I've been studying the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. You know, I've been uh, ministering now as a pastor for, what is it, 15, 14 years? Somewhere thereabouts. So I've been through this. You know, it was time to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. But I already knew that. I had peace. So when the Lord spoke to me and he said, you better watch what you say, I knew I had to, I had to make sure my emotions stayed checked, my words stayed checked. I didn't start talking about it, about my cancer. It's not my cancer. I did not want anything to do with it. But that's, you know, that just to kind of give you an idea, you have to grasp hold of your emotions, your mind, your thoughts, and your will has to be aligned with God. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean anything like that. It means you're, you're trying to live your life for God, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. And when you do, what do you do? You just ask the Father to forgive you because he's already for, forgiven you. All right? You just ask for forgiveness, and you move on. All right? So he, he says, I want you that you would prosper and be in health. And the other thing about this, notice how prospering is connected to your health. He said, I want you to prosper and be in good and be in health even as your soul prospers. So as your soul prospers, that's connected to your health. And for a long time, a lot of us really haven't made that connection that your health is affected by how you think. Uh, As a matter of fact, we can go there. uh, Go to Proverbs chapter 23 real quick. Proverbs 23, it says this, and there's many other scriptures that say things like this, but this is the one the Holy Spirit brought to mind when he was talking to me about this. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as you you thinketh in your heart, so are you. How you... How you start to see yourself in your heart, and that, you know, that's not talking about just your physical heart. It is in one aspect talking about your physical heart, but it's talking about your spirit, because your spirit is inside you. When, when, we, when we die, the only thing that dies is our flesh. Your spirit comes out of your body, and you go to heaven. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus, your spirit comes out of your body, you go to hell, and you live live forever. See, the church has failed, has missed this part of it. Everybody lives forever. The question is, where are you going to spend it? In heaven or hell? Because hell's eternal. You don't come out of there. You don't get down there and say, you know, I I really don't don't like this place. It's really hot down here. And uh, I don't like, all these things are scaring the living daylights out of me. I think I want to go to heaven. It's too late. Well, they told me my buddies would be down here, we'd be partying, we'd be smoking and, and drinking and having a good old time. Now, I, I don't see any of that going on down It's not there. They lied to you. Because if it comes from hell, it's a lie. Everything, If you notice, everything that comes from Satan is a lie. All, all of these things are a lie. The truth is in the word. Jesus said, if you, if you, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you'll know the truth. And the truth that you know will make you free. It's not the truth by itself that makes you free. It's the truth that you know. You And that word know in the Bible, it has to do with, it means to know intimately. When it said Adam knew Eve, okay, that means they had intimacy and they produced something. So when Jesus said the truth that you know, it's talking about an intimate relationship where you're word and you're meditating on that word to the point it gets down in your heart. So that's what the, in, in in the book of Proverbs he's saying: "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." Do you see yourself broke all the time? You know, and that's where a lot of people look at themselves. You know, they see themselves always broke, and they're always talking about how broke they are. Well, that's because your words have power, and you're releasing power. You know, we've seen that happen in the world. I mean, a lot of people in the world, and they don't even recognize it. You find somebody that, for instance, they go get a job, especially a lot of times when young people get a job, and they're living home with mom and dad, and they got no bills. So a young man gets a job, and he's making pretty decent money. What's he start thinking about? He starts thinking about buying a car or a truck or whatever. And he starts talking about it, doesn't he? Well, I'm going to get me this. And he, he's telling him, I'm going to get this year. And this is what the truck's going to have on it. This is what he, and he talks about it. And it ain't too, too much longer. It's maybe a few months down the road. He's driving that truck. Why? Because that's what he had focused on. And mom and dad are going, son, my gosh, you need to put some money aside and save, save some money so you can get out and live on your own. <laughs> you, you can pay some bills on your own. But see, all he's thinking about is that truck. Because that's what he meditated on. That's what he thought about. You know, i got a job, I'm making good money. I can get me the vehicle of my dreams. There's there's power in what you think about, what you talk about, whether you understand it or whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. Your words have power, and they actually will produce something. Now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Kind of setting the foundation here for some things. and in 1st Thessalonians 5 and let's pick it up in verse 22 it says abstain from all appearance of evil and Paul says this in the verse 23 and the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless Unto the coming of our Lord Jesus, so it's interesting that Paul praying this prayer, he says, he tells people, he said, he told the church at Thessalonica, don't, don't do it, get away from it, right? Because if somebody sees you doing something, they're going to put you with it. Amen. You know, you're hanging, you're hanging around um, places that you shouldn't be hanging. It can cost you. It can cost you a marriage. It can cost you a job. Right? It can cost you relationships. Why? Because you're in the wrong place. And see, that's what Paul was telling them. He said, abstain from all appearance of evil. In other words, have a make a conscious effort to notice where you are. And is it, coming, is it going to come across as evil? If it does, then it have nothing to do with it. Then he says, if you do that, and the very God of peace will sanctify. That word sanctify means set apart. He's, he will set you apart wholly, or in other words, that word holy was not holy as in h o l l h o l y. It's holy as in perfectly. All right? The God of peace will sanctify you perfectly. And he says, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Without blame. Your spirit, soul, and body without blame. Now, what we, we, we miss here is we back up in verse 15, what he says here. He says, see that none of you render evil for evil unto men. But evil, but, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. What is he talking about? He's talking about the problem and the answer. The, the problem is your flesh. The answer is to abstain from those things of the flesh. He's talking about the spirit, the soul, all right, and the body. And he's telling you those are the problems that you'll have. The answer is to stay away from things that will cause you to be sucked in in those areas and they will shorten your life. And they will create situations around you that you won't be happy with. So what does it do? It forces you to change how you're thinking, right? It forces you, because what what the Word of God is doing is it's teaching you how to walk in the fullness of heaven here on earth. You know, I'm not going to need healing in heaven. Why? Because there's no sickness there. I'm not going to need deliverance in heaven. Why? There's no devils there. So where do I need it? I need it right here in, in, today. I need healing here. We need deliverance here. But there's a way that, to obtain it. You know, we just sang about uh, a song about miracles. Miracles are for today. But a lot of people's view of a miracle is something that God can do whether I want Him to do it or not. And sometimes there are cases where he will do that because of, the, of, of you being in the right place. But there's still, a, there's still a connection with your heart to the Lord. You know, when Jesus went into to one city and the woman with the issue of blood, I didn't plan on this, but this always keeps coming up in my, in my sermons. I've talked more about this woman. I look forward to meeting her one day because I say, lady, I've talked about you more than anybody else. She says in her heart, she says, if I can touch but the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. She'd had an issue of blood for years. Been to many doctors. She was broke. She spent everything she had. Still had an issue of blood. If they'd have caught her, out in public, they'd have killed her. They'd have stoned her. That was the penalty. If you had an issue with blood, you had to stay inside. She says, if I can touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. So Jesus is walking through the city, and this woman crawls in behind him. She literally crawls. She had to crawl under, under people's legs and between their legs and around just to get to him. Because you got to understand, everywhere he went, people just kept coming around him and wanting to be around him because of the miracles. What they didn't understand is how to receive him. And Jesus stops when she touches him, and he says, Who touched me? And the disciples say, Really? Jesus. You see all these millions of people? Everybody here is touching you. Is there something wrong with you? He said, No. Somebody touched me in in a way that's not like everybody else. Who touched me? And finally, you can just imagine this being said and hear all these people and they're talking and all of a sudden things get kind of quiet around him. And he says, Who touched me? And she touched him. She's she's there and she's like, I touched you. I'm gonna confess. She thought she'd you know, for a moment maybe thought she did something wrong. But he said, woman, great is your faith. Be made whole. And she got up. And from the moment she touched him, the bleeding stopped. But see, what a lot of people miss is what Jesus said to her. He said, woman, be thou whole. Well, she didn't say, oh, I am already because when I touched you, the bleeding stopped immediately. He was talking about something far greater than just that. There was something else that happened that her faith made a contact because of things that she had been saying. It says she was saying to herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And he said, woman, thy faith has made you whole, go in peace. The rest of the story is that when she left there, she had spent everything she had. She had lost finances. She had lost relationships because friends of hers knew she had a a blood problem. They didn't want to come around her. They knew she would, She was going to get caught, eventually, and would get stoned. What happened was everything was restored to her. When Jesus said, Be thou whole, when you take that word and break it down, it means nothing missing, nothing broken. Well, there was a lot of things that were broken in her life, not just the blood, the issue with the blood. There was a lot of things. Relationships were were damaged. Finances were damaged. All that was returned to her when Jesus said, Be thou whole. Because she had already received her healing. When she touched him, it said at that moment, the bleeding ceased. It stopped. What had happened in her? There was a knowing through. Old Testament teaching she said if I can touch but the hem of his garment. The reason why she said that is because in the Old Testament it says that when the Messiah comes there will be healing in his tallit, which is the the shawl that he wears. And what she was saying is if I can touch his tallit, I will be made whole. She recognized that he's the Messiah. All of the Hebrews most of them, they did not recognize he was the Messiah. They did not see it because their picture of the Messiah was going to be a warrior. He was going to come back and free them of the, Romans, uh, the invading Roman Empire that was in their, their city. They thought the Messiah would come and would defeat Romans' army, get rid of them, and that the Jews would reign In Jerusalem, so when Jesus comes in, he comes in on what? He comes in, not on a horse. He comes in on a donkey, which is peace. Already, you got ninety-nine percent of the leadership of 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 Israel against him, because they are hearing the rumors that this is the Messiah, and when he comes in on a donkey, oh, their blood began to boil. This is not the Messiah, because our Messiah is going to deliver us. Well, he was delivering them. He was delivering them from them from something worse. Sickness. Eternal damnation. That's what he came for. So you start to see that some things taking place here. Now, I want you to go to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, and look at this. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified, because... The Amplified just puts some things in here that the King James doesn't. And it's not adding, it's not adding words that don't exist. The Amplified simply is, like it says, it's an amplifier. It takes the original Greek, or the original Hebrew, rather, in this case, and it amplifies those words because the Hebrew, Hebraic language uses many words to describe something. The English language, we just use one word pretty much, to describe something. The Hebraic, it uses many words, and that's what the, the Amplified does. It takes all those words and it puts them in the Scripture for greater clarity. In uh, Isaiah 26, it says this in verse 3, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind... Both its inclination and its character is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, he leans on you, and he hopes confidently in you. Think about that. Because he keeps his mind on you, you'll be in perfect and constant peace. Whose mind is, it, it says, is inclined, and its character is stayed on you. So see, if you have a mind that's inclined to read the Word of God, to to, uh, meditate on the Word of God, to spend time with the Father, or is your your mind inclined to do just goofy stuff that really doesn't benefit you? Now listen, God doesn't mind you doing stuff that doesn't have no benefit. That's not what he's saying. But does God have a place in your life where you spend time and you meditate on his word? All right? That's really what it's talking about. And when you hear that word meditate, all right, meditation, and we're kind of getting into the thick of this here, meditation means to visualize. So when you see that word in, in, in the word of God, to meditate, it's talking about visualizing. I remember the story of a number of years ago. There was a service going on at this one church, and they had, a, had a, like a healing service. A minister come in, and that, that uh, he ministered healing to, to the body, the local body. And there was one particular woman in the church... And she was blind. She had been blind for years and years and years. And she had come to the services, and he was there for like three days. And after every service, she never would come up. She would never come up for prayer because she had been prayed for many times. And she'd, she never received healing. So in her mind, she just saw herself that she was going to be blind forever. That was just, that's the way it was. So on the third day, the last service, she was there, and he said, he asked her to come up. And he said, Can I pray for you? And she said, Well, yeah, sure, go ahead. He said, Okay, I'm gonna pray, and I want you to open your eyes and see. Oh, he said, I'm gonna I'll take the back. He said, I'm gonna pray, and you're gonna see. And she came and she said okay he said now close your eyes and he prayed and he said now do you see and she started to open her eyes and he said i didn't say open your eyes so she closed him again and he said okay let's do this again i want you to see so she started to open her eyes and he said i didn't say open your eyes close your eyes And the third time, he said, now, listen, I didn't ask you to open your eyes. I asked you, can you see? I want you to visualize in your your mind, because until you visualize in your mind, you start seeing yourself seeing, you're not going to see. And she said, okay, I'll do that. He said, now, keep your eyes closed. Now, can you see? And she said, yes. And he said, now open your eyes. She opened them. She could see. Yeah. See, and the point is, you have to see the power of God working in you. That's what that word meditate means. You meditate on the word. You take that word and you start seeing it happening in you. In you. When you see it happening in you, now you're getting somewhere. Now things are starting to happen. All right. See, we can. I can pray for somebody, and the power of God will go into them, and they'll get healed. But see, if they don't, if they, if they're not taught, they'll go home, and within a, a short period of time, maybe a week or two, a day or so, whatever, they'll lose it. Why? Because the first time that Satan comes back and does something, they'll start thinking, oh, I didn't get it. Oh, it wasn't God. So you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. That's what Paul said. Fight the good fight of faith. And that fight means when you're in a battle, you don't quit. You don't quit. Back Before I started following the Lord, I, I hated to read. When I was in high school and grade school, I, I could count on one hand the number of books I read. I hated to read. Now, if a, if a football game or a baseball game was on, man, I was off for that. Or playing it, I was off for that. And I got one book, a baseball book, when I was young and started to read it, but I could only get it by me a third of the way through, even though it was a baseball book. I, just, I hated to read. So, now I'm in my 20s, going into my 30s. Well, I'm in my 30s. And I really hadn't been right with God. And I got an interest in studying the Civil War. Because there was a history channel, and it had Civil War on it, called the Civil War Journal. And... That really kind of got me interested in the Civil War when I, mean, I found out as you got into the Civil War, the, really the best way to find out stuff is you're going to have to read. Well, I was really interested. So guess what? I started investing time in reading. I started learning some things. I started learning troop movements. But one of the things that I learned is, a lot of people say, well, why did they name certain battles after uh, the cities and other ones after the, the states and different things. I said, well, it's real simple. The ones that are named after uh, the, uh, like Gettysburg, Antietam, those were, those were named after the cities because the North won the war, won the battle. And how did they determine who wins the battle? Who was remaining on the field. We, we think of other things we think no 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 uh something else had to put no they determined the winner of the battle by who was re- who was still standing and who left see sometimes in the middle of your battle with satan and whatever he, he's fighting you with you give up and you walk away and you have you you've almost had him defeated he's been defeated he's about ready to get up and leave the battlefield but what do you do you stand up and you leave he wins the battle because he's still standing why why do good people die why do good Christians that love God die because they quit in the middle of the battle because they haven't visualized it being them the victors Satan will fight you and get you to put a a picture in your head of you losing it whatever it is if it's finances, you're losing your home. You're losing your job. You're losing your lifestyle. And what people do, they start visualizing. They start seeing it happen. And it happens. They see themselves getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And that's what happens. And they die. And everybody's praying for them, believing God heal healing. But see, the word says if any two of you agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be given unto you. Was Jesus lying? No, he's not lying. See, when I come into agreement with someone, I want to make sure that they're they're going to stand because I'm going to stand. I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care how grim it looks. I'm going to still stand believing, God, this is what your word says about this situation. We're believing it. I see it happening. I see it happening. The devil has to get one of us to come off that stance. He's got to get one of us to come off that stance and see it not happening. Because now we're not in agreement. And I can stand in agreement all I want, but if, I, if the other person I'm standing in agreement with breaks that agreement and says, I don't see it happening. Now, they wouldn't say it outright. Nobody would do that. All right, well, maybe some would. You get bad off in a situation. You, might, you, might, you very well may just say, I ain't going to fight it no more. I want to go home. I've seen that happen. And they break the agreement. They go home they go to heaven. That's fine. But see, God has his promises. He promises us 120 years. 120 years. Most people, especially Christians, believe that life expectancy is 70 to 80 years. If you ask most Christians, what does the Bible say how long you live? Well, you'll get anything from, well, you never know, (laughs) to, well, 70, 80 years. Few of them would would know that it's 120 is what the Bible says. 120 years is what God promised us. Read Psalm 91. He says, with long life will I satisfy you. I'm sorry, 50 years of age is not a long life. 30 years of age is not a long life. He said, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. You don't know that. You'll think, well, you know, you got you to die of something. I remember Brother Hagin tells this story years ago. Had a young man in his church. And uh, he's like 39 years old. And the, the parents asked him to come, asked Brother Hagin to come to the hospital and pray for him because this young man was dying. Doctors didn't know why. They, they couldn't diagnose him. So Brother Hagen goes to the hospital, and it just so happens he was met there with another minister that was friends of the family somehow, and uh, they were standing outside, and they were talking about the, the young man and uh, the brother come up and said something about, well, he always said he'd never reach the age of 40. He said, he'd been saying that. And Brother Hagin asked, he said, how long has he been saying He said, Oh, he said, I remember since he was a little kid. He said, I'll never reach the age of 40. I'll never live to 40. Now, why he picked up that number, don't know. And Brother Hagin didn't know. And the Lord told him, he said, your prayers won't do any good here. He said, he set in in motion a law and he's got his heart set that he's coming out of that body by the time he's 40 years old. He said, you can't change it. He can. But he's already set and determined that he's coming out of that body. He died. And the had the doctors do an autopsy and the, the autopsy came back and said he was in perfect health there was nothing wrong with him but he had been saying for years I will never reach the age of 40 I'll die before I'm 40 he didn't have a heart attack didn't have cancer or anything he just died it's the power in your words you say something long enough It'll go from here, and it'll set here. That's good or bad. That's good or bad. You say something wrong enough. Now, that doesn't mean you say something wrong one time or two times or ten times, it's going to blow up in your face. No, 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 no. But you say it over a period of time, it starts here in your head. You know, I can say by his stripes I'm healed. You know, I start feeling bad or something. I said, "By His stripes, I'm he- I'm he- I'm healed. I'm healed. By His stripes, I'm healed." Lord, You sent Your Word and You healed me. Now that may start out here, but quickly, see now I'm a little bit further along than most. Than a lot of people, it goes quickly from here to here. It don't take long, and and that healing manifests. I haven't had the flu in over thirty years. I don't get the flu. The reason why is that's something the Lord dealt with me, and I didn't even know. I didn't even know anything about the Bible. I had been saved, and I was like 27 years old. And I had noticed a pattern in my life. I think it started around 14. It went went like, and uh, when I was like seven, I got the flu. Then when I was 14, I got the flu. When I was 21, I got the flu. When I was 28, I got the flu. So I started saying, and, and really, before I was 28, I started saying, I only get the flu every seven years. I only get the flu every seven years. I thought that was great because everybody else I knew, they were getting the flu every year. And then one day the Lord spoke to me. He said, Michael, quit saying that. I said, quit saying what? Quit saying you get the flu every seven years. Now, I'm in my 30s, my early 30s, and I'm, I'm actually, see, 20, I'm about 33, 34. So I'm, I'm coming up close to one year. He said, quit saying you get the flu every year. Now, I've started to walk with the Lord a little bit. I don't really know anything. He said, quit saying you get the flu every year because death and life are in the power of your tongue, and it's coming to pass. You're opening the door to seven years. You're, you're getting it. And the kind of a light went on. I said, "You're right, Father. Forgive me. I shouldn't have been saying that. That was I was thinking that was doing good and I was being stupid. I don't get the flu. I don't get the flu. By his stripes, I'm healed. 35 came and went. I didn't get the flu. I'm. I'll be 64 here in three weeks. I haven't had the flu since." Do I feel bad? Do I, Is there times I felt bad? I felt bad, but I, I never got sick or anything like that. Maybe had a headache or something like that, but not violently throwing up or anything like that. The power of your words. It's what you meditate on. But he, say, he said, again, Isaiah 6.3, he says, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. That perfect and constant peace is healing. It's prosperity. It's an understanding. Whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you. He leans on you and he hopes confidently in you. I want to go to another one here. Um, Time permits. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see this in Ephesians 4. You have to visualize things. You have to see them coming to pass in your life. Satan is trying to paint a picture. He's trying to build a picture in your mind of your future. Not every thought you have is your thoughts. There's a lot of people, there's where they make another mistake. They think every thought that comes in my head is my thought. Well, what's it doing to my head? Well, because there's an outside force that's speaking to you. God's speaking to you, but Satan's also speaking to you. God will speak to you in your spirit, not your head. Satan will speak to you in your thought life. He can't speak to you in your spirit because you're a born again believer. He can't enter in that. So the only chance he has is to speak 17. Paul says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth from this time forward walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. How do other Gentiles walk? Every thought that pops in their head, they start thinking about it. They start talking about it. I mean, even some goofy stuff. You know, Travis, that's where a lot of this stupid stuff we hear at work comes from. Because a thought in their head about how we can make things better around here. And it's a stupid thought. Oh, but it came from another team member. It's got to be a good thought. No, it's the devil working through them, trying to bring confusion into the plant. But see, people don't recognize it. Why? Because they're walking in the vanity of their mind. Every thought they have, they think it's their thoughts. They think they need to do something about it. But Paul warns against that. Verse 18, he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Remember, we talked about the two things that will destroy you, ignorance and rejecting knowledge. So they have their understanding darkened, and what happens when something's darkened? You can't see what's in there. You go into a room that's pitch black and has no light in it, you can't see your hand in front of your face. So what Paul's saying is they had their understanding darkened. They don't see what you as a believer sees. They don't even have a glimpse of it. That's why the world will do some really stupid things. But as Christians, we can do some stupid things too. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge, and we reject it. But you know, in Psalms it says this: "O Lord, at the, entrance of the word you giveth light." So, at the entrance of the word of God, light is shed upon the whole situation. And when light shed, you see what's going on. So we can go into that dark room, and when we put light in that room, all of a sudden now you see everything that's in that room. Where did the dark go? It disappeared. It didn't recede, it didn't get less and less, it just went away because that's what light does. That's the effect light has on darkness. But Paul, you had the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. You were aliens to the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Because their heart was blinded. So their understanding, their seeing things was darkened. They, they couldn't see it. So when you and I, and this, you see a lot of this in the church, when you stand up for these truths in the Bible, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. Jesus said it. He said, they hate me. They'll hate you because of the truth that's in you. I heard Doc Barkley say this here a few weeks ago. He said, uh, if your worldly friends like you, you're doing something wrong. Let that sink in. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have worldly friends, but he said, if your worldly friends like you, in other words, they don't get uncomfortable at all around you, you're probably doing something wrong. They need to make some changes. All right, it, there is Ephesians uh, 17, 18, okay. Um, uh, let me go to the Amplified here. I wanted to read it there, but I think I'll just read this last part. We'll see. Well, let me read it to you from uh, the Amplified, seventeen and eighteen. It says, uh, "So this I say solemnly, testify in the name of the Lord, as is in His presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen, the Gentiles do in their in their per- perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls, and the futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is." Be clouded; They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of their ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. Now look at verse uh, 24 in Ephesians, the same place. It says this, and put on the new nature, the, the regenerated self created in God's image, Godlike in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is encouraging the church at Ephesus to put on the new nature, I meaning you're going to have to put it on. You're going to have to physically say, okay, I'm going to live today for God. I'm going to live by his word. Because if I, just, if I get up and I say, well, I've got to go to work. i got to do this. And I don't say, okay, I'm going to put God on today. Probably going to have a bad time. But Paul was encouraging the church, put on the new creation. I'll, Father, I'm putting on the new creation today. I'm putting it on. I'm going to keep it on all day long. And I'm going to keep it on Period. But every day I'm going to let you know. I'm putting it on every day. I'm putting it on every day. Because why? My my mind is not blinded. I'm not walking in darkness. I'm walking in the light. So when when a, a situation in my life, or better yet, when a situation in somebody else's life comes up, I can do what? I can help them. I can minister to them. All right? I might be able to speak a word to them that changes their day. That changes their situation. Right? And makes all the difference in the world. You know, the you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah. Well, it's one of the ones I, I say over myself. In Isaiah fifty four, The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned that I may speak a word in season to the weary. Think about that. You, make that. you make a confession like that over yourself every day, and somebody comes up to you and has, a, has an issue going on in their life, the Holy Spirit's going to quicken to you something to say to them. You're going to have a word for them. It may, not, it may not be everything that they need to hear, but it'll be the right thing for them to hear at that moment that'll make all the difference in their life. And they can on the right path they can get on the right course. They can change the course that they were on, which was a course of destruction, because of the vision that they had. They saw what the enemy was doing. God doesn't want us to see that. God's not in your past. He's not looking on your past failures. He's looking at your future. He's calling you to a place. A destiny, if you will. Satan, at the same time, He's calling you to destruction. Because the word says about the the devil, he's as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He can't devour everybody. Amen? Amen. Did you get something today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Change what you're meditating on. Change what you're you're meditating on. Meditate on the promise of God and and literally see that happening in your life. See that situation changing. Say, Lord, I see in your word here, it says this. You sent your word and you healed me. I see myself healed. And if I see myself healed, I'm not going to act like a person that's not healed. Now, does that mean I can go back to work? Well, you could. You'll be headed in that direction. Just depends on your job whether they'll let you do your job under that situation or not. All right? Visualize. See it. Just like that that woman that was blind. You've got to visualize that change taking place in your life. See God moving in that situation. When it doesn't look good, don't see what the devil's doing. Don't look at that and say, oh, the devil's doing this. We don't give glory to the devil. That's what a lot of people doing. They're giving glory to the... Give glory to God. No, no. By his stripes I'm healed. You're going to get on the other side of this. God's moving in your life. Why? Because we believe it. Amen? Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, Father.